Well, we're in Psalm 104 this morning, and so if you're new or visiting, what we're doing is we're going through the book of Psalms, all 150 of them, so we're uh, two-thirds of the way through it. Um, we're learning a lot, very, very applicable, and so this morning I'm going to try to cover three, so we're going to move pretty fast this morning. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for being so good to us, and we do thank you that we are created in your image, as we're going to see this morning in your word. We thank you that you are God and that you love your creation. So, Father, even this morning, if there is one individual in this room this morning that does not know Jesus as their Savior, I pray that you would open their eyes for that need to be met. That they are not going to get to heaven by their own good works. For your Bible says, your word says, no one is good, no, not one. And that the wages of sin is eternal separation from you, our loving Heavenly Father. So we just pray for every soul in this room, specifically for those who don't know you, that they would receive you this morning, whatever age they may be, that they would receive Jesus as their Savior this morning. We thank you for your word, pray for the gift of teaching, and Father, that you would be glorified in and through your word this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, Psalm 104, now this psalm is is unclear as to its author or time frame, but focuses on the greatness, the greatness of God through his creation. The greatness of God through his creation. So Psalm 104 verse 1. Bless the Lord, O my soul. O Lord my God, you are very great. You are clothed with honor and majesty. You are clothed with honor and majesty. And if you're new or visiting, we want to remember that we're in Psalm, a book, hymnal book 4 of 5. And that hymnal book 4 was put together during those captivity years in Babylon. So as we read this song, they would would sing this. And as we read this, we want to realize they're in captivity in a very wicked culture. In a very idolatrous culture. In a very sex-crazed culture. And here it is, 2,500 years later, things haven't changed much. So when somebody says the Bible isn't relevant, you need to explain the simple truth. It's very relevant. It is very, very relevant. It is very applicable. And for you and I, as we need a Savior, most of us have received Jesus as our Savior. Whatever we whatever we find ourselves in, we can say, Bless the Lord, O my soul. The word bless here in verse 1 is to kneel. It's an act of adoration. To kneel, an act of adoration. And why should we bless the Lord anyways? Well, it says you, at the end of verse 1 there, are clothed with honor and majesty. Honor and majesty. There is no one like our God. Now, maybe you've been to a court before, for whatever reason. Don't raise your hand. But maybe you've been to court before. And there's an earthly judge that enters the courtroom. And what does the person say when before the judge enters? All rise. Stand. Out of what? Out of honor. Out of respect. And the judge comes in, 
And then they sit behind a big desk. And it's elevated to do what? To give an impression. I hold your judgment in my hands. Your fate is in my hands. I deserve respect. I deserve honor. Now, I know humanly that falls short. But it's designed that way to make them appear impressive. And when we think of God, you are clothed with honor and majesty. God doesn't need anyone to announce his presence. And he doesn't need a big desk to make him look impressive. You see, when we stand in front of our Heavenly Father, we will automatically give Him the honor He so deserves. No one, no one will have to be tell us to, to stand or to kneel or show respect. It will be automatic because of His true majesty. And the psalmist here goes on, to start to express God's majesty through his creation. And so we're going to look at verses 2 through 9. Who cover yourself with light as with a garment, who stretch out the heavens like a curtain. First John 1 John 1.5 says this, This is the message which we have heard from him and declare to you, the him here would be Jesus, that God is light, and in him is no darkness at all. Now this is just, this, we can't even comprehend this, because even in this room, even though we have bright lights, there's shadows everywhere. But when we step into heaven, there's not going to be one shadow anywhere. That's incomprehensible. Because the glory of God is going to totally illuminate all of heaven. There's not, you're not going to go behind a door. Oh, here's a shadow. The glory of God totally illuminates heaven. He is majestic, guys. He's majestic. He is deserving of all of our praise. He lays the beams of his upper chambers in the waters. He who makes the clouds his chariot. He who walks on the wings of the wind. Who makes his angels spirits. His ministers a flame of fire. Hebrews 1.14 says this. Are they not all ministering spirits, speaking of the angels, sent forth to minister for those who will inherit salvation? Who You who laid the foundations of the earth so that it should not be moved forever. You covered it with the deep as with a garment. Job 26.7 says, He stretches out the north over empty space. He hangs the earth on nothing, not on the back of elephants. Atlas is not holding the earth. He hangs the earth on nothing. This is the God whom we serve. You covered it with with the deep as with a garment. The water stood above the mountains. At your rebuke, they fled. At the voice of your thunder, they hastened away. Referencing Noah. They went up over the mountains, they went down into the valleys, to the place which you founded for them. You, you, why? Because you are majestic. You have set a boundary that they may not pass over, that they may not return to cover the earth. The psalmist in 10 through 18, he's going to express God's majesty through his provision for all of his creation. 
He sends the springs into the valleys. They flow among the hills. They give drink to every beast of the field. The wild donkeys quench their thirst. By them, the birds of the heavens have their home. They sing among the branches. He waters the hills from his upper chambers. The earth is satisfied with the fruit of your works. He causes the grass to grow for the cattle, the vegetation for the service of man, that he may bring forth food from the earth and wine that makes glad the heart of man, oil to make his face shine and bread which strengthens man's heart. The trees of the Lord are full of sap, the cedars of Lebanon which he planted, where the birds make their nests. The stork has her home in the fir trees. The high hills are for the wild goats. The cliffs are a refuge for the rock badgers. Now the psalmist is going to get into the Hebrew calendar. He appointed the moon for seasons. The sun knows it's going down. You see, the Hebrew religious calendar was designed around the seasons of the year which the, with the nation celebrating specific holidays based upon specific seasonal times. Leviticus chapter 23. So even though I don't totally understand the depth of it, God has designed the earth to rely totally upon its rotation around the sun and the rotation of the moon around the earth. And with this rotational design, we would not have the seasons that we do which allow us to grow the food that we need. You see, it's a very intricate design. And when you have such an intricate design for you young people in school, those of you who are in college, here is the simple answer to the depth of all philosophy. No one can dispute this. You have a watch. How did that watch come together? There was a designer. He designed it. You have a house. You have a building. You have a bridge. You, whatever you want to think of. They just, you know, did this hurricane that just came in, did it go through a junkyard to put together a Cadillac? That doesn't happen that way, does it? It did a lot of destruction. No, when there's a design, there's a designer. And it's so important for you and me to just remember this simple truth. We don't have to argue. We don't have to do a lot of arguing. It's just a simple truth. No one can deny that simple truth. Are you trying to tell me that this little box right down here on the ground that has lights on it, that some guy plugs his guitar into and things come out of it, that this just happened? Just by chance over thousands and thousands of years? No. Well, then why would you say something as as delicate as the human body? Well, a few billion years. Okay, let's add a few more million years. How about a billion years? Impossible. It's just impossible. But they don't want to be accountable to God. That's the bottom line. They don't want to be accountable to God because that means they would be responsible to God. You see, we may have designed certain things to help us grow various types of food, but we still need the overall environment that was designed by God to make it all grow properly. We cannot be independent of God no matter how advanced we think we are as a society. So let's continue to read on here. 
He appointed the moon for the seasons. The sun knows it's going down. You make darkness and it is night in which all the beasts of the forest creep about. The young lions roar after their prey and seek their food from God. When the sun rises, they gather together and lie down in their dens. Man goes out to his work and to his labor until the evening. O Lord, how manifold are your works in wisdom, in wisdom, that's key. In wisdom, you have made them all. The earth is full of your possessions. So now the psalmist goes and he's going to go from land animals to sea creatures. And the word wisdom there can be referred to, you know, something that we discover, we find ourselves, we think we're so wise. And then when we figure something out, then all of a sudden we can step back. Maybe you've never done this, but I bet you have. You step back and you go, oh, so that's why God designed it like that. It makes perfect sense. And we're still gaining wisdom, earthly wisdom, but God already has all of that wisdom. And we can really mess things up, and if left to ourselves, as in the past, we would eventually destroy the race. That's just in our nature. This great and wide sea, which is in our numerable teeming things, living things, both small and great, there are the ships sail about, there's Leviathan, we don't exactly know what Leviathan is. There's another reference in the scripture as far as a crocodile. Another reference to a large whale. Don't know exactly, but we know that it's in the ocean, which you have made to play there. These all wait for you that you may give them their food in due season. In due season. What you give them, they gather in. You open your hand, they are filled with good. You hide your face, they are troubled. You take away their breath. They die and return to their dust. Ecclesiastes 3 in our daily reading today, tomorrow in our daily reading. To everything there is a season, a time for every purpose under heaven, a time to be born, a time to die, a time to plant, and it goes on and on. You see, nothing escapes his knowledge or attention. He is the God of all of creation. May the glory of the Lord endure forever. May the Lord rejoice in his works. He looks on the earth and it trembles. He touches the hills and they smoke. I will sing to the Lord. So because of all of these things, because God is majestic, he deserves all honor because he is closed with honor. Because of all of these things, this is what I'm going to do. The psalmist is now pouring out his heart. I will sing to the Lord as long as I live. And guys, remember the context. This is They're putting this together during the Babylonian captivity. So they don't have a temple to go to. They're not in Israel. They're in Babylon. They are suffering reproach. They are demanded by the king to bow down and worship his idols. And if you refuse, you will die. This is their culture, yet they're singing this. They're proclaiming this to one another, and they're proclaiming it to their God. I will sing to the Lord as long as I live. And as we've done many times going through the book of Psalms, it's an exhortation for you and for me. For you and for me. To not allow our feelings, our emotions, to captivate us and take us down a road that we shouldn't go down. 
but to take every thought, 2 Corinthians 10, 5. Take two, divide it into 10, you get what? Five. It's not new math, it's just math. 2 Corinthians 10, 5. Take every thought captive to the obedience of Christ. And to make sure that you command your soul, as we've seen over and over and over again, I'm going to command my soul to praise. I don't like what's going on. I don't appreciate what's going on. But God, you've got a plan. God, you have got a plan. And I'm going to praise you. As long as I live, I am going to praise you. I will sing praise to my God while I have my being. That would be to what? To my last breath. To my last breath. God, I want to praise you even in my last breath. Isn't that great? And I have been with people who have passed, and there is no greater passing than to see someone praising God even on their deathbed. Giving God the glory he so deserves even on their deathbed. And that they know that when I take my last breath on this earth, I am taking my first breath in heaven, guaranteed because of the word of God. Not by my feelings, but because of the word of God. That's what the word of God says, guys. So shouldn't we give our praise to him? My meditation, may my meditation be sweet to him. Shall be sweet, it means to be agreeable, to be pleasant. As we meditate on the word of God, which we're called to do. Psalm 1, 2 says, but his delight is in the law of the Lord. And in his law, he meditates day and night. Don't meditate on your feelings, but rather meditate on the word of God. Because the word of God is true. Your feelings oftentimes are not. Your feelings can change within seconds from a great high to a great low. It happens, can happen in all of our lives. But the word of God doesn't change. And so we're called to meditate on his word of God day and night. Again, it's going to be sweet. May my meditation be sweet to him. I will be glad in the Lord. We'll be glad those three words in the Hebrew. It means to brighten up, to rejoice. To brighten up, to rejoice. And you've heard me say this many times, but in my life personally, I have found the best way to battle depression or a downer, or a bummer, or whatever it might be, is to praise God, to give Him the praise, to just do it, even when I don't feel like it, just to do it, knowing that on the other side, God has a plan and a purpose for what I'm going through. I will be glad in the Lord. May sinners be consumed from the earth, and the wicked be no more, and that will happen. Bless the Lord, O my soul. Praise the Lord. Amen. Well, Psalm 105, this psalm focuses upon the creation of Israel through the covenant that God made with them. So verses 1 through 6. O give thanks to the Lord, call upon his name, make known his deeds among the peoples. You see, because of the covenant that God made with Israel, and as you read it in the, gospel, in, the, in the Word of God, you're going to find out that it was God's responsibility. Abraham wasn't seeking after God. Abraham was an Arab. He was worshiping false idols. 
God found him. And God called him out. And God was with him in Canaan. And God ministered to him. And God gave him a promise. It was all about God. Abraham just had to learn how to submit, which he did. Praise God. And it was now their their responsibility to proclaim God's goodness to the nations around them. So here's the exhortation, even, again, even while they're in Babylon. Even while they're in Babylon. (laughs) Make known his deeds among the Babylonians. Speak of me. Sing to him. Sing psalms to him. Talk of all his wondrous works. What? We're in Babylon. We lost our temple. What do you mean wondrous works? What are you talking about? Well, glory in his holy name. Let the hearts of those rejoice who seek the Lord. Seek the Lord and his strength. Seek his face forevermore. Remember. So we have seek. Now we have remember his marvelous works which he has done, his wonders and the judgments of his mouth. O seed of Abraham, his servant, you children of Jacob, his chosen ones. Guys, if they would have been doing this, would they have been taken to Babylon? If America repented and started following after God, would we be removed from our land? No. The Bible says that. But the Bible also says, as you depart from the living God and you do certain sins, the Bible clearly states, the land will vomit you off. It's a guarantee. And I know people don't like to hear that, but you want to be reading your Bible from Genesis to Revelation, not just picking and choose all the good stuff, but the real stuff, so that we as believers will have a repentant heart and that we will try to stay clean in our hearts because the more we talk of the Lord, the more we seek the Lord. The more we seek the Lord, the more we remember what He has done for us. The more we remember the more our hearts focus on the truths of his words. You know, it's it's like when you want to take a vacation and you have a favorite spot that you like and you've been there maybe several times. And you start to plan, you start to coordinate, and you start to get excited about that. And then when you arrive, you've kind of learned the, how to manipulate things a little bit and get a better deal over here and this, that, and the other thing. And, and you just have a wonderful time. You see, your heart was focusing upon that place and praise starts to come forth. Well, the psalmist is remembering the covenant that God made with Israel and oh, how good it is. But they forgot. And that's why they're in Babylon. And maybe you're here this morning and maybe you have forgotten. I'm not talking about losing your salvation. So if if you're... You know, if you're immature in that area, you need to grow up. You're sealed until the day of redemption, the Bible says. You cannot lose your salvation if you're truly saved. So that just needs to get off the table, mature in that area, leave that alone. God keeps that, not you. 
But there is a sanctification process that we're all to be going through to becoming more like Jesus. And, and maybe you're just finding yourself, man, I just, I feel distant from God. It's not God. Just very simply, don't blame God. It's not God. He's there. The Holy Spirit dwells within you according to the Bible, so the Holy Spirit doesn't leave you nor forsake you. So don't blame God. If we feel distance from God, it's you, it's I, it's we need to repent and seek and remember and talk about all the things that God has done for us. And I can now look back 41 years, praise God, after receiving Jesus at 17. I can look back and see all the things that God has done. Can I see my sin? Yes. Can I see my mistakes? Yes. Can I see my shortcomings? Yes. I'm human. We're all human. But we're not called to focus on that. Philippians 4, 8. The true things, the lovely things, the pure things, the honest things, the things of good report. Meditate on these things. Those are the things of God that we are called to meditate upon. Verse 7. He is the Lord our God. His judgments are in all the earth. He remembers his covenant forever. The word which he commanded for a thousand generations. A covenant which he made with Abraham and his oath to Isaac and confirmed it to Jacob for a statute. To Israel, an everlasting covenant. Saying to you, I will give the land of Canaan as an allotment of your inheritance. When they were few in number, indeed, very few. Yeah, it was Abraham and his family. That's can't get much fewer than that. When they were few in number, indeed, very few, and strangers. Abraham was a stranger in the land of Canaan. You see, here we see written thousands of years ago that the land known as Israel today was to belong to them forever. It was not to be divided nor given away. You see, way back in Genesis, God told Abraham that he was going to give him a son. And Abraham was old and Sarah, his wife, was past her childbearing years. So Sarah had this great idea. Abraham, I'm old. I can't give you a child. Why don't you take Hagar, my servant? You have relations with her. We'll have a child through her. Abraham, unfortunately, said, great idea. I'll do it. Ishmael was born. There's been war ever since. Why? Because that was the flesh. That was of the flesh. God told Abraham, you and Sarah will have a child. If God tells you something, you stand on the word of God. And you trust that God's going to provide and take care of you. And 13 years later, the Lord visited Abraham personally face-to-face, a Christophany, an appearance of Jesus in the Old Testament. And he said, this time next year, Abraham, your wife Sarah is going to have a child. That's the child of the promise, not your flesh, not what you did. No, the child is coming this, this time next year. And sure enough, Sarah brought forth a child. You see, the problem was that Ishmael was the work of the flesh, where God wanted Abraham to walk by faith. And that might be our problem today as well. God wants us to walk by faith, but sometimes we just have to get the flesh involved. Well, I'm going to do it my way. Well, God, I know you're busy, so I'm going to do this, and I'm going to do that. And Okay, I'll do this and do that. Missionary dating. Well, the government won't miss a little bit of money. 
cheating on our taxes. Well, my employer, look how many thousands of employees they have. And I see other people taking time off and taking longer breaks and longer lunch hours. So I'm going to do that too. I mean, they're not going to miss it. It's not hurting anybody. It's hurting your Christian testimony. That's who it's hurting. It's hurting your Christian testimony. Don't do any of that. Be the best employee on the job site. Be the most faithful employee on the job site. That's the testimony that you want about your God, that your God is faithful. You see, in Genesis 17, I'm just going to read it for time's sake. It says this, And as for Ishmael, I have heard you. Behold, I have blessed him. And I will make him fruitful and will multiply him exceedingly. He shall beget twelve princes, and I will make him a great nation. But my covenant I will establish with Isaac. This is God speaking, not Abraham. Whom Sarah shall bear to you at this set time next year. And as you read the word, Ishmael did become a father of 12 princes and he became known as the father of the Ishmaelites that lived in northern Arabia. In Genesis 37, 27, we read this. Come and let us sell Joseph to the Ishmaelites and let not our hand be upon him for he is our brother and our flesh and the brothers listened. And as you continued in the scriptures and we see that the Ishmaelites intermarried with the Midianites and when you study history, you will find that they didn't live in the land of Israel then. So they shouldn't try to make a claim to it today. You see, the covenant was to be through faith, through the son of Sarah. I know this is not politically correct, but we're not having a political rally here. We're having a Bible study. So if you have an argument, take it up with God. I didn't write the Bible. I just read it. And I encourage you to read it as well and to know simply what the Bible says. This is not a Palestinian-Israeli issue. This is a God issue. It's a God issue. God said, that's my land, I'm giving it to them. That's end, of, that's end of commentary. That pretty much takes care of it. The covenant was to be through faith, through the son of Sarah, which she did conceive via Abraham and gave birth to Isaac, the son of the promise. End of conversation. God knows what he is doing. That when they went from one nation to another, from one kingdom to another people, he permitted no one to do them wrong. Yes, he rebuked kings for their sake, saying, Do not touch my anointed ones, and do my prophets no harm. Moreover, he called for a famine in the land to destroy the provision of bread. He sent a man before them, Joseph, who was sold as a slave. They hurt his feet with feathers, fetters. He was laid in irons until the time that his word came to pass. The word of the Lord tested him. The king sent and released him. The ruler of the people let him go free. He made him lord over his house and ruler of all his possessions to bind his princes at his pleasure to teach his elders wisdom. Israel also came into Egypt and Jacob dwelt in the land of Ham. He increased his people greatly and made them stronger than their enemies. He turned their heart to hate his people. He dealt craftily with his servants. He sent Moses, his servant, and Aaron, whom he had chosen. They performed his signs among them and wonders in the land of Ham. He sent darkness and made it dark, and they did not rebel against his word. He turned their waters into blood and killed their fish. Their land abounded with frogs, even in the chambers of the kings. He spoke, and there were swarms of flies and lice in all their territory. 
He gave them hail for rain and flaming fire in their land. He struck their vines also and their fig trees and splintered the trees of their territory. He spoke and the locusts came, young locusts without number, and ate up all the vegetation in their land and devoured the fruit of their ground. He also destroyed the firstborn in their land, the first of all their strength. He also brought them out with silver and gold. Guys, are you rehearsing this in your life? They would not have been in Babylon if they would have been rehearsing this. Again, we don't know when this was written, if it was written during the captivity or prior to. We don't know. But if they would have been rehearsing, because there's many, many psalms that we know were written before the captivity that they should have been rehearsing that say the exact same thing. We've done 105 of these now. There's repetition. There's repetition. Why do we need repetition? Because we forget. We forgot what God did yesterday. I'm in such trouble today. Well, what did God do yesterday? I don't know. Just remember. You just remember and you'll, you'll know that he will be with you today. There was none feeble among his tribes. Egypt was glad when they departed. For the fear of them had fallen upon them. The, notice that. The fear of them. Did they amass weapons of mass destruction? It was the hand of God. It was the hand of God that brought the fear of God upon the Egyptians. Not the military of the Israelites. He spread a cloud for a covering and fire to give them light in the night. The people asked and he brought quail and satisfied them with the bread of heaven. He opened the rock and water gushed out. It ran in the dry places like a river. He remembered his holy promise and Abraham his servant. He brought out his people with joy, his chosen ones with gladness. He gave them the lands of the Gentiles. They inherited the labor of the nations." that they might observe his statutes. Verse 45 sums it all up. God of creation, God of the nation. Why? That they might observe his statutes for us today, that we might observe the word of God. The word of God from Genesis to Revelation. And keep, not just observe, but to apply to keep his laws. And what does the psalmist end with? Praise the Lord. And what are the people in Babylon, the believers in Babylon saying? In captivity, away from Israel, no temple, no sacrifice. Praise the Lord. Because they knew, not all of them, but many of them knew, there was coming a time, 70 years when they would be allowed to leave and go back to Israel. And here we are, 2,500 years later, in 1948, according to God's word, not according to man. Israel should not be a nation today. But God said, there will be a regathering of my people. Not that the Israelites are good. There's no one good, no, not one. They are doing a lot of vile things in Israel. Tel Aviv is the gay capital of the Middle East. They love that title. They promote that title. So it's not like they're all happy, hunky-dory serving God. That's not the point. The point is God's promise is God's promise. And he uses his promise as an example for you and for me that when I say something's going to happen, it's going to happen. So for you and me, when God's word says that he will take care of us, what does that mean? 
He will take care of us. But I don't know how. It doesn't matter. If you knew how, then you wouldn't be walking by faith, would it? But when you say, I don't know how, but I know he's going to, that's walking by faith. And then a week goes by, or a month goes by, or years go by, and you look back and you go, that's how. God, thank you. Praise you. But you don't wait to look back to see it. We need to do the praise throughout it. Then we just look back, and that just builds our faith even more. And it does what? It builds our testimony. So that all of a sudden, when you stand up in workplace, or you're in your workplace, you get a phone call or something happened, you go, praise the Lord. I used to say that at Motorola. They used to say all other things at Motorola, you know, all kinds of cuss words. And I didn't say those, but I would say, praise the Lord. Oh, you can't do that. I did it. If they can use God's name in vain, why can't I say praise the Lord? You want to go down to personnel? Let's go down to personnel right now. Let's have a, let's go down and have a talk right now. You can say that. Somebody might just look at you and go, what's your problem? I just got the phone call that I've been praying about for weeks, for months, for maybe years. God answered my prayer. I'd love to talk to you about it at lunch. But we're at work right now. Maybe at break. Hey, you want to go out for coffee after work? You want to meet for breakfast tomorrow morning? Get out of my face. You're a weird Christian. Okay, you asked. You asked. I just told you. Guys, it's an opportunity for testimony. But if we're not doing, if we're not seeking, if we're not remembering, if we're not allowing the Holy Spirit to... Where's our testimony? We get the phone call. We might even swear and they kind of look at you. Yeah, we figured you were just like us. Okay. That proves your Christianity. Be careful, guys. They're watching. They're watching. You are the light of the world because Jesus said, I am the light of the world. And he transformed that. And he placed that upon us via the Holy Spirit. Go out and be a light this week. We didn't get through three Psalms. I can't do 106 in five minutes. Father, we just thank you and praise you for this morning. Lord, we don't need to rush your word. I think we learned enough already this morning what we need to do and we need to be reminded and we've heard this before but yet we've forgotten so here it is again. And God, it's a good thing. Because a lot of times we need a kick in the pants. We forget about your goodness. We forget about your majesty. We forget that even as we just read this morning that that you created everything we see. You created the human eyeball that is so intricate so that we can't even see. And we get so consumed by the enemy often whispering in our ears attacks against you. Father, help us to apply 2 Corinthians 10.5. Help us to apply that into our lives and to memorize it, to meditate upon it. Casting down arguments and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God. Bringing every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ. Father, the enemy... He's not going to listen to us. But he has to listen to you. 
He has to obey. He has to flee at your word. Father, we thank you and praise you for your creation. We thank you and praise you for the nation of Israel. What a testimony that is of your word. Not of them, per se, but of your word. That your word is true. Father, make it real in our lives here this week. Again, Lord, we pray for our brothers and sisters in Christ back east in the various locations. I know they're having a lot of rain in Texas. Lord, we ask that you bless our brothers and sisters in Christ, that they would be a bright light even in the midst of two, three, four feet of water being in their house. That they will be a light to those in their neighborhoods who have no hope, who are maybe even cursing you and accusing you of destroying their lives. Lord, use our brothers and sisters in Christ, even this morning, wherever they may gather, that your word would go out. That even in the midst of a hurricane, you are still a good God. Father, in the midst of our storms, you are a good God. Help us to seek. Help us to remember. Help us to meditate. And help us to command our souls to praise your holy name. You know, as the saints are praying, Maybe you're with us this morning and you do not know Jesus as your Savior. Maybe you just came to church because you thought it was the religious thing to do. And we're glad you're here. But God is not interested in playing church or being religious. God is interested in a personal relationship with you. And so if you would like to receive Jesus this morning, there are people around you right now that love you and they're interceding on your behalf. They're standing in the gap, that spiritual gap that you might not even understand yet. But they're praying for your soul that you would wake up and realize you're a sinner in need of a Savior. If that is you, I'm going to pray a prayer. And if you would like to receive Jesus as your Savior, that's the Holy Spirit loving you and drawing you to the cross, you pray this simple prayer. And it's not the prayer, it's your heart. If you're sincere in this prayer, the Holy Spirit will literally come within you and you will become a child, a son, a daughter of God. Just pray this prayer after me. God, I acknowledge that I am a sinner in need of a Savior. I repent. I turn to you now. And I ask for forgiveness. I thank you for Jesus. Thank you for the cross. And God, I ask right now that your Holy Spirit would come into my life. 
I surrender. And I ask Jesus to be my Savior. I don't understand this. But I'm going to trust you're going to show me. Because you are good. You are good. And God, I thank you that I can now call you Father. My Father. Thank you, Father. In Jesus' name, amen. Father, we thank you for the free gift of salvation. And Lord, for anyone who may have prayed that, I pray that they'd realize it's a free gift and you love them so much. And if they pray that in sincerity, they are now your son, your daughter. Thank you, Father, for bringing them into the kingdom. Lord, as we go out this week to our mission field, use us for your glory. Help us to be aware of those around us. In Jesus' precious name, amen. Amen. God is good, guys. Amen. 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 Won't we all stand? You know, this weekend, again, we're having that servants conference, but we do have about 18 children that are going to need to be watched, and we're trying to make it so that the, the people who normally do child care don't do child care. So if you haven't served, we could really use your help. Friday night from 7 to 9, and as I make this announcement, I'm not saying it all three times, you pick a time, you talk to Cheryl out in the lobby, but we need help Friday night from 7 to 9, We need help Saturday morning from 9 to 11. And we need help Saturday afternoon from 1 to 3. So if you can make those times, we would really, really appreciate it. And that way the servants who normally serve could be in here being ministered to. So pray quickly about that and and talk with Cheryl after the service. Thanks, you guys. If you need prayer, please come up. We'd love to pray for you. Have yourself a blessed week. Pastor Jim was reading Psalm 104. The song just popped in my mind. So it pretty much comes straight from there. So. The splendor of the King. The splendor of the King. Clothed in majesty. Let all the earth rejoice. He wraps himself in light Darkness tries to hide Trembles at his voice Trembles at his voice
God bless you.